Our class for today, our podcast class, is entitled True Faith Works. And we are continuing to take a look at James and some of the themes from, from James today. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to James chapter 1, and we'll be looking at verses 22 through 27, and then chapter 2, verses 14 through 26. My name is Darren Williamson, and I'm one of the ministers here at Southwest and the director of the Northwest School of Discipleship. And um, as I mentioned in last week's podcast, James is one of those unique books of the New Testament. Um, It's got several distinctives about it that uh, people have always pointed to. And probably the thing that really gets the most attention is his emphasis upon works. And that is that our faith is one of action. It's not a passive faith. It's not a, a faith that's just somewhere up in your head, but it's something that you actually do. And this is um, an important corrective to some misunderstandings of Christianity uh, that just would have faith being something that's just, well, it's um, agreeing to a certain set of propositions, and that's faith. We will find from today's scripture that that's just not it at all. And James, the brother of Jesus, Uh, a great leader in the early church, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is going to help us see what faith is really all about. And so we begin in chapter 1, verses 22 through 25. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer but who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So James in chapter 1 introduces this theme of doing the word, not just hearing it alone. And he wants to begin by using a couple analogies. But it's important to realize that people who think that they can just listen to the Word of God, and that's what I think it means by word here, the Word of God, meaning what God has spoken to us, but not actually take it into yourself to where it becomes something that you act upon. If you think that you have kind of heard God when you do that, you really are deceiving yourselves. And there's a lot of self-deception that happens. Satan is deceiving us, but we deceive ourselves. We might think uh, we're really religious when we're, we're not, actually. We might think we've got a great uh, walk with God when we don't, if it's not combined with action. And James wants to communicate that. He says, if anyone's a hearer of the word and not a doer, you're like this man who looks at his face in a mirror and goes away and forgets who he is. And it's kind of an interesting analogy to use. Um, you know, someone who looks in the mirror, typically when you look in the mirror, you're, trying, you're doing that for a purpose, right? Maybe there's some blemish on your face that you want to know what's going on there. You know, when you're a teenager, you're always looking at those pimples and you're always wondering if your blemishes are going to go away or how long they're going to be around. Um, people often look in the mirror to comb their hair, um, but they generally, um, you know, you do it for a purpose. Um, you know, fix your hair, you know, 
put on some makeup, you know, whatever you're doing, you're looking in the mirror for a purpose. And so the idea that you would look at yourself in a mirror and then go away and you know, forget what you actually saw there, um, this is the image that James has for a person who looks into the Word of God and hears it but then doesn't do it. Basically, he says, um, you, you're missing the whole point. God has spoken to us through his word, not to just pass the time of day, but to actually change us, to actually draw us to him, to draw us away from the things that have pulled us into sin and pulled us away from his presence. And by attending to his word, we will be drawn back into him and we will be changed. There's something that comes from this peering into the word. And that's what he says at the end. It's interesting. He says, but if you look into the perfect law, the law of liberty and persevere, not being someone who um, forgets, but a doer who acts, you will be blessed by that. It's important to realize that God's word, his law, which I think these are synonyms here, the word of God, the law of God, the teachings of God, the law of Christ, all of these things are what God has spoken to us, the truth that comes from God, that it's not designed to be oppressive. It's not designed to make us slaves. In fact, it's exactly the opposite. It gives us freedom. It delivers us from the bondage that sin has brought. And so when, when we look at it that way, we should look at it not as, okay, oh boy, now I'm reading the Word of God and, oh, I've got a bunch of stuff I got to do and it's going to be burdensome. It's like, no, this is actually giving me liberty giving me instructions about how to live, how I'm designed to be. And if I live that way, things are going to go well for me. I will be blessed by them. That's what he says. You'll be blessed by acting upon the word of God. But you've got to peer into it closely, intently. Some people, when they read the Bible, they just kind of skim through it. They don't really dig into it. They don't kind of go in and ask questions of it. They don't try to see themselves in the text and say, you know, how am I obeying this? Or how, what promises are here that I need to embrace? Or, or what uh, sins are listed here that I have incorporated into my life and I need to repent of? That's kind of appearing intently into the Word of God. And when you do that, you will go away and it'll, it'll change you. You will, um, so for example, if you're, if you're reading about greed, and the, the dangers of idolatry, of the idolatry of greed. And uh, you've really thought hard about that. And then later on in the day when you're shopping on Amazon and you find yourself just kind of wanting to click on this, click on that and buy all these things and you're falling prey to the advertisings, the word of God will come back to you and remind you, hey, Darren, you know, that's not what life is about. Material possessions. Stop spending money on stuff that you don't need um, and, and so that's what the Word of God does. And when you peer into it intently, realizing that it's going to change you, then throughout your day, it will prompt you to change your actions according to what God is teaching you. And that's what it looks like to be a doer of the Word, not just a hearer. It's about as useless as a screen door on a submarine. Made with that works, baby. It just ain't happening. One is your left, one is your right. It'll take two strong arms to hold on tight. Some folks are cut off the nose just despite their face. I think you need some words to show. For your alleged faithful, there's a difference.
just make you sleep. Talk about it. Yeah. I really think you ought to take a leap off of the ship before you claim to walk on water. Play with our words like a song you can't sing. It's about as useless as a screen door on a submarine. Hopefully you enjoyed that great little song from the 90s called uh, Screen Door on a Submarine. James chapter 2 verse 14 through 26 is a fairly long tour de force or a strong argument um, about the nature of saving faith. So let's read this. I'm starting with verse 14. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. As I said, this is James's great argument. He pulls out all the stops. He uses practical everyday analogies. He refers to demonic forces. He refers to um, famous biblical characters in the Old Testament. He even refers to the nature of the human person itself, to all of these things to illustrate that biblical faith, saving faith, is always accompanied by action. It's always accompanied by works. He starts by saying, well, what good is it, my brothers, if you say you have faith, but you don't have works? And he uses an analogy that we can readily understand. Um, someone who is destitute, who has nothing to eat, no clothes on their back, and you are, it's a brother, which this means it's someone who is, um, you know, someone that you know, right? It's not just someone off the street. It's a brother or a sister, meaning someone in your church community, and they are destitute. They don't have uh, any clothing. They don't, they're lacking the daily food, and you were to say to them, oh, I hope everything works out for you, or may God bless you, and you don't do anything to help them. Your, your wish for them is hollow. Your uh, desire and love for them is empty, because you're not actually doing something to help them physically. Go and be warmed and be filled and without taking care of their needs. This is kind of an obvious thing that common sense tells you that your well-wishing to that person, your love for that person 
is not real. It's phony. It's very incomplete. And so he goes on to say in verse 17, so in the same way, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. And it's interesting, he doesn't doesn't say faith by itself without works is sick or, or something like that. He says it's dead. And that's what's also very instructive about James's tone. He doesn't mess around here. He calls people who think that faith without works is legit, foolish, deceived. People who are really, um, really walking down a very wrong path. It is not just a kind of a, um, a little thing. It's a big thing and in the category of foolishness to think that true biblical faith without works can be uh, acceptable to God. But then he goes on in verse 18 to say, well, someone might say, well, you have faith and I have works. And James says, well, you show me your faith um, apart from works and I'll show you my faith by my works. Meaning that, you know, our works are actually going to illustrate our faith. And then he brings up the demons. Now that is very fascinating. But it's, it's a very poignant um, analogy. You know, all the demons, all the heavenly beings that have fallen away from God and are in rebellion against God, that are uh, following the, the, the arch angel who fell away, Satan, who are all on his side, who are doing mischief to humankind, who are trying to pull people away from God left and right. Those, that's the de- demonic world. All of them know that there is only one God, that he really is the creator of the world, that he only has one son, it's Jesus Christ, that he really died and he was raised on the third day, And they even know, we can assume, um, that he's coming back to judge the world. I mean, if, if we know this, the demons certainly know it as well. And yet he says they shudder. And the reason they shudder is because they know all this stuff to be true, but they're not living in submission to God, and therefore they will be reserved for final judgment, thrown into the lake of fire as Revelation talks about it later. And so they're shuddering in this reality of who God is, that there is a God. They believe, they know he is who he is, but they're not submitting to him. That's what demonic faith is. It's a a realization, a knowledge of who God is without submitting to his uh, law and his word and obeying him. And so he refers to the demons here and says, if you have faith without works, that's really the same kind of faith that the demons have and obviously not something good. But then he goes on to say, I'll show you even further. Let's look back in Jewish history. And remember, James is written to a Jewish audience, mainly a Jewish Christian audience. And so they are very familiar with the Old Testament scriptures. And who is the greatest of all um, Jews, well, it's Father Abraham. He is the father of the nation. And James refers back to Abraham, who it's interesting, the Apostle Paul refers to Abraham as the father of faith because he was the father of faith. Um, um, he w- believed God's promises, we see in the book of Genesis, and God counted it to him as righteousness, Paul says. But James points to another story in the life of Abraham in Genesis chapter 2, when Abraham is commanded to sacrifice his only son Isaac on the altar. And what did Abraham do? He didn't say, oh, well, 
I believe, God, that you want me to do that. No, he saddled up his donkey. He intentionally went toward the mountain. He went up on top of the mountain and was about to strike the blow to kill his only son. That's what James says. That's action. His faith was combined by action. That is biblical saving faith. And then he says in verse 23, Scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God. It was counted to him as righteousness, and he was a friend of God. And that's because his faith is working together with actions. They go together. The other illustration from the Old Testament is an interesting one as well. It's from Rahab the prostitute. Okay, the reference to Rahab is really valuable because, of course, she was one of the great heroes of the Old Testament, one of the women who stepped in and acted by faith and ended up literally saving the people of God and helping them come into the land of Canaan. And what's also fascinating here is that when you remember in Matthew chapter 1 and also in Luke 3, there is a reference to, well, Uh, an indirect reference in Luke, but a direct reference in Matthew to Rahab being part of the lineage of Jesus. And remember, who's the author of this little book? Well, it's James, the half-brother of Jesus. So he's actually referring to one of his direct ancestors here, Rahab, who also happens to be a hero of the faith, who uh, by her actions sent the spies out or sent out the the people who were looking for the spies told them to go a different direction and basically helped the spies that came in to check out the land of Canaan. And this enabled um, the people of God to come into Jericho. And so he's making all these references to the Old Testament heroes that faith and works go together. They are not, there's not this huge gap between them. They must work together. And then finally, he refers to this very poignant statement in verse 26, for as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Anyone who's ever been to a funeral, who's ever been around someone who has just passed away, um, you know that there is this, you know what death is. You know, when, when someone breathes their last and they are gone, they're dead, they're not breathing anymore, they have no breath in their lungs, um, there is this stillness, there is this passivity there is uh, that body is not going anywhere on its own it is dead and so he makes the analogy that just like a body without breath is dead so our faith apart from works is also dead so wow so many amazing ways that he is trying to get us to understand that faith and works go together. We don't know the background. Were there some people really saying, yeah, I don't have to do anything. I just, you know, I just believe in Jesus and I'm I'm fine. Was there really someone like that? Um, Evidently so. Evidently some people. And, And today you do run into people all the time that say things like, well, I believe in God, but I don't go to church. Or I believe in God, but I don't really worry about, you know, you know, following the Bible or reading the Bible and all this kind of thing. And maybe that's the kind of person that needs to hear this message. And maybe we need to hear this as well as followers of Jesus that, hey, we've got to understand that our, our actions must illustrate, must be flowing out of our trust and faith in Jesus Christ. And at this point, it's, it's important to make a couple of distinctions. Um, we are not working in order to obtain our salvation. We are working from our salvation. 
Salvation is by faith in Jesus Christ. When we confess Him as Lord, when we return away from sin, we make that commitment to follow Him. We're buried with Him in baptism. We arise a new person. And there's no works involved with that. There's simply responding to what God has said by faith and committing our lives to Him. We become a child of God. We are delivered from darkness into light. But that new life that we have in Christ involves living a certain way. And that is the way of obedience. And so we're working and living in obedience from our status as a saved person, not in order to obtain it. That's a very important distinction that must be uh, maintained. Also, I found a quote not too long ago from a a writer by the name of Dallas Willard, who, who said, the gospel of grace is not against effort, but it is against earning. What that means is that God expects us to make effort to work in our faith, but with the realization that that effort is not actually earning our salvation. There's only one that could do that, and his name was Jesus Christ. He lived a perfect life. He was a perfect atoning sacrifice for sin, and it's based on his work that we can rest in our salvation. And then we live out a life of obedience and works from our faith in Jesus Christ. So these are some very important distinctions to make. So this week, brothers and sisters, let's live out a life of faith, true faith, not demonic faith, an empty kind of faith, um, but a saving faith that sees our trust and, and love of God is going to result in obedience. May God bless you and have a great week.